Welcome to Everything Belongs, a podcast for those living, creating, leading, and thriving while in the deep end of life. I'm your host, Madison Morgan, leadership coach, creative consultant, and speaker. I coach soulful visionaries and go-getting mavericks who desire to create art of their lives and take their work both deeper and higher. In this show, I'll be bringing you an overflow of conversations with my favorite thought leaders, teachers, healers, and creatives who inspire me to live more fully in my own power, worth, and wholeness, along with offering some episodes where I share my own practical insights, behind-the-scenes peeks into my process, and tools I use on my own journey. There will not be much we shy away from here because at this table, everything belongs. Therefore, you can expect me to ask the uncomfortable, juicy questions. You can expect that you'll hear people you disagree with on the podcast and maybe even ideas you've never previously considered. I trust you with your own discernment as we take this deep dive. You can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and be challenged by the guests as they share their diverse experiences and views of the world. It's my hope through learning to see that all of it belongs that you will develop a more sovereign way of holding yourself so you can playfully go after the life, relationships, and career you are made for, to let all parts of yourself have a seat at the table, to lead and create from your deepest truth, and become your own source of validation, all because you finally know you're worthy of it. All that's required to get started, that you show up curious and willing. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part one of the three-part episode of Weaving a Web of Support. In today's episode, I'm going to be sharing my personal story of exile and belonging, and some of you might already have some context to what my story of exile was. I've written about it on my blog, on my online journal, and spoken about it on podcasts here and there, but I want to talk about it specifically around what it looks like to actually build a life of support. So in the next couple episodes, that's what you can expect, and to set the tone, I just want to say I'm really excited to be back with a solo episode. It's been quite a long time since I have dropped in and had something that felt really like I wanted to share it from my heart. And that's exactly what this episode is. It's a sharing from my heart along with the episodes that will come next. So I am sitting in my meditation room recording this, sitting on the biomat. It's a Saturday and it's been so spacious and it felt like the perfect time to drop in and finally hit record on this podcast that I've been writing since the beginning of January. And the truth is I was actually sitting in a tea ceremony in my office last month when I just felt this wave of tenderness come over me. I was sipping the tea and sip by sip by sip, all of the faces of the people who've supported me to heal and to thrive in the past year flashed before my eyes. So I, you know, in early January was really reflecting on the last year on 2021 and something really distinct actually happened to me in 2021. And it was, it was a series of events. I won't go into all of them, but let's just say I got, I got an x-ray from a chiropractor. I noticed, uh, I found out my neck was completely straight, which is if you know anything about the the spine, that's incorrect. Um, and so I started getting chiropractic and massage treatments to fix this curve in my, my neck. And within a couple weeks, maybe, maybe it was a couple months of getting this adjustment done the curve came back in my neck and I swear it was like a clarity came online. Like it was like my head got screwed on straight and I started seeing things in a completely different way. And 
a domino effect happened by November of 2021. I went and visited my mom's side of the family for the holidays. And again, it felt like something clicked into place. I was so present. I felt so much belonging and so much support. I noticed myself not anxious. Like I used used to be around family, not distracted, not disassociating. I was fully there. And I, I was so surprised at the stark contrast of my experience. And, you know, I'll probably share a little bit more on this, this part of the journey in the future. But what I really started noticing is I felt so safe in my body and I felt so safe around people to really receive the support that I had cultivated over the last couple years. And it was like, once I wasn't afraid of people anymore, I realized how afraid of people I had been, how afraid of support I had been and the safety in my body that came online through the means that I'll be sharing in the next couple episodes really shifted the way I felt supported. A lot of the support that I have now has been in my life for a couple years, but the way that I'm experiencing it is so much different. And so in this tea ceremony, back to the ceremony I'm sitting and which is just a ritual practice. It sounds really fancy, but it's just every day I wake up and do a little tea ceremony for myself. I'm sipping tea alone. And I just started thinking about all these people, right? That were supporting me. And I, because I was finally, and am finally able to receive that support and feel how supported I am. I was sending love to each of these people and thanking them. And it prompted me to write a thank you post on Instagram. And through that post, which I did not think would turn into a three-part podcast episode, I received so much feedback from the community on Instagram, from all of you who messaged me and chatted with me about this. Thank you, because it got my mind open to truly how little support a lot of people are feeling. I realized it was really tender for some people to see me name that I feel really supported right now, especially in this age of loneliness and through the pandemic. And I did a poll on my stories and I know this isn't like a poll of every single person on my Instagram and every single person in this community, but of those who voted, more than 60% of you who participated in the poll in my story said that you didn't feel that you had the support your soul desires. And I asked even more specifically because I wanted more information. I wanted to know what that really meant to you. And so when I asked what kind of support you most wanted to receive this year into 2022, it was actually quality friendship that took the lead above business support, above therapy, above healthcare, and above partnership, that it was actually the most triggering to hear about the quality friendships that I have. And so some of the answers that came in, and I'm going to quote them and not share who they're from. Some of you said deep friendships that support my need to be known and taken care of, devoted friendship authentic adult relationships, seeking out those who can actually hold my full essence, consistent conscious friendships and community, people to hold space without automatically trying to fix or offer suggestions, freedom to allow all parts of myself to others without critique. And someone said, I'm just incredibly lonely. And even a few people messaged me privately to let me know how triggering it was to witness me being so supported and how it's revealing to them their deeper desire for real nourishing relationships. And also for some, the, the lack of capacity they have to actually do that, whether or not it's resource-based, whether they have the resources, they might not have the internal relational capacities. And so in, in the next couple episodes, I'm going to be talking about that. 
And the, the truth is, is that my life is incredibly supported. My life is centered on my relationships and my community. And I feel that my, my people, my chosen family is so robust And the mistake I think a lot of people can make is seeing this on social media and knowing like, actually, this is true. I am incredibly supported, but it's not because I accidentally stumbled into like the friendship lottery. Although I do think I won the friendship lottery because my people are amazing or that I inherited incredible relating skills. I didn't, um, I, I actually come to these relationships having been quite isolated and alone and traumatized through relationships. So it's actually the contrary, the projections I was receiving from people of like, must be nice for you. And someone even said it's because of my pretty privilege. And yes, of course, these are all factors, but those things did even, I looked very similar as I did in my early twenties. I had resources in my early twenties and I was not experiencing support or community in the way that I now am. And so although those things can play a part, I want to get to the deeper reasons why even those with a lot of privileges and a lot of resources are not experiencing the kind of support that they want. So yes, my life is so supported because actually of the very lack of relational skill, community, and support that I had in my life, which drove me to create new experiences after hitting a personal rock bottom that included abandonment and subsequent relational, emotional, and mental health crisis in my mid-20s, my mid to early 20s. So between 22 and 25, I lost my entire community and then by 27, stopped speaking to a lot of my family. So it's actually the fact that a deeply supported life doesn't just happen upon us in this hyper-individualistic culture that has actually quite toxic ways of relating. It has to be by design. A supported life must be by design. That's exactly what we're going to talk about in these episodes. No one is going to come give us the friendships and community we desire. People are at their own capacities. People are cautious about people right now. And so it's actually up to us to bring forward these desires and learn how to live into them together. Wholeness with ourselves requires that we do the internal work of integration to be supported within ourselves. And it's often in that journey, healing from personal fragmentation, we become further exiled from our families and communities. Often we didn't necessarily, this is, I'll speak for myself. I didn't necessarily feel super connected in my support networks whenever I was super fragmented and hadn't started my healing journey. But whenever I did start that journey, it was almost like a further isolation happened. And if you're experiencing that, I just want you to know that you can make your way home, not only to yourself, but to the support and the friendship and the love and communities that we most need. And I actually think it has to be hand in hand, that personal work and that work in community. So this is why I'm so excited to be sharing this three-part podcast series on weaving a web of support. So over the next three episodes, to give you some context, I'm going to be sharing part one today, which is going to include my own story in this episode of how I designed my own life of support, having gone from exiled, unsupported, and isolated to a robust community and web of support. In part two, I'm going to be sharing the foundations of weaving a web web of support, which includes personal sovereignty, access to knowing your values, uh, relational skills, the ability to move from your desires. And in part three, I'll actually be sharing how to identify where you need support 
like where where's that first step to building this web of support when when to invest in professional support such as a coach a therapist a guide and what to look for in your local and online communities to start to find your people and then what it takes to build depth relationships and I'll talk about that from personal, professional, business, and a couple different lenses. So no matter where you're at, you can assess what support would be most supportive for you. So I want to dive in in this episode to my story because I think storytelling is one, really fun. Two, my story is the story I can speak to the most clear to drive home the concepts that I want to share. And three, I think it's going to be really supportive to share how an unsupported I actually was because social media makes it so easy to project our ideas about people. And a lot of those ideas just are not true. The truth of my story is that being without support and being alone in the world is one of my deepest fears because the wound of unbelonging has actually driven much of my life. I'm a deeply relationally oriented person. I have five planets stacked in the 11th house, all in Leo, in the house of Aquarius for my astrology people. And for my human design folks, I have a four line. I'm a four one in human design. And that's the networker, the opportunist, the people person. I'm also socially oriented on the Enneagram. No matter what lens I look at my life, even just looking at my behavior, I'm a people person. I love people. I love being in groups. So much so that I actually abandoned my truth to belong in spaces that didn't want me once I showed my difference. So I've learned this lesson time and time and time again. Unfortunately, I spent much of my 20s healing from childhood abuse and then having been indoctrinated, indoctrinating myself into a high control group of evangelicalism. And then navigating the subsequent relational challenges that ensued after. So it was almost like this childhood dynamic that I had of relational fuckery, as James Olivia Chu Hillman would say, led me to indoctrinating myself into a cult. And then even leaving those things, I didn't know how to relate to people in healthy ways. I didn't know how to have community in healthy ways. And I lost a lot of my community through my healing process. So this experience has offered me so much perspective on the ways that we perpetuate this fragmentation within ourselves. And when I say fragmentation within ourselves, I mean this splitting off from our core identities and our core truths and parts of ourselves that are good and beautiful and maybe that our culture or our community says aren't worthy. One for me was my queerness. I fragmented from my queerness. I wasn't even aware of my attraction for women because I had plummeted that right into the shadow self. So it was showing up in my life in in ways that I wasn't able to see it because it was in my shadow. I had cut off from it. I had fragmented from it. And I wouldn't, I couldn't let myself see it until I made enough capacity for more wholeness. So we are perpetuating this kind of fragmentation, codependency, and effective relational strategies and these systems that we are all becoming more and more aware to that are rooted in this hierarchy of worthiness, not only in the macro, which we're seeing in government and large corporations that are hungry for toxic power, but also within ourselves and within our closest relationships where we reenact these power dynamics and aren't able to relate from who we really are, relate with our differences, which is again, 
why we fragment, why we self-abandon. So the fragmentation and the self-abandonment we experience only mirrors the fragmentation from the earth and from one another we're all experiencing on a larger scale. And this is why I believe the phrase as above, so below, as within, so without very much applies to the way that we choose to relate to each other or not, or choose to relate to ourselves or not, or feel isolated or not, or give and receive support or not. We are dealing with things that are cultural and personal and systemic and in our communities. And I really think that if we want to talk about weaving a web of support, we have to talk about coming home to ourselves because establishing a well of wholeness inside of ourselves, healing from the fragmentation is the only way we're actually going to be known. Whenever I started healing from this fragmentation, it was in my mid twenties that my truth, what I felt was emerging from me started to become louder than my need to belong in the evangelical spaces I was in. As I started healing and going to trauma therapy and integrating these parts of myself that I'd abandoned, one being crying. I hadn't cried in almost 10 years, like truly let tears roll down my face. And so as I started integrating these parts of myself that were allowed to be sad, that were allowed to ask questions that didn't have to be so people-pleasing. I found myself leaving a tight-knit evangelical community and A lot of that is because I started asking questions. I started advocating for LGBTQIA rights and naming injustices to the black community, to indigenous people of color and to the feminine that had previously been shamed and silenced. These things felt obvious, like obviously wrong to me. And I was shocked that my community thought I was like the devil (laughs) because of these things. The people who had once, I had once considered my chosen family and had spent years gathering with them multiple times a week in ceremony, sharing my deepest, most sacred and spiritual life with rejected me and my new like demonic lifestyle as a queer woman, as a coach, as a question asker. And so that happened over the course of a couple years because I came out after I left the church and after I left that experience, but to encapsulate it quickly, that's what happened. I had to rebuild my community from the ground up. And the problem with the way that I had to build, like rebuild this community is that I actually didn't know how to relate in healthy ways. So the ways that I had been socialized to relate to other people were based on one shared beliefs. We were the same. So there, if we had differences, we like couldn't be together Two, shared enemies. It was easier for us to identify that we belonged together when there was someone that we were against, which Rob Bell says the ego loves an enemy. And I would also say, so does groupthink. maybe groupthink and ego. That's an exploration for another day. Three, I only knew how to relate based on manufactured vulnerability over vulnerability, over eagerness to share. Um, I found myself with a lot of overeager group leaders whose literal job it was to like make me feel included. And so I didn't know how to relate to people without this hijacking of connection through oversharing and over vulnerability and also contempt and codependency is the fourth way that I learned to relate was through either being less than myself and having contempt for myself or being better than others and having and needing to save them and looking at them with contempt, which is a codependent dynamic. And inside of that, of course, is this culty communication style that violates boundaries, perpetuates savior dynamics. It's just so yuck. It's not really relating. It is, it's assuming need. It's assuming who people are. 
So without going into all of these problematic ways of relating, the way that it impacted my communities is that not only had my entire support system been stripped from me because of my, my beliefs were changing, which led to isolation, divorce, so many things. I started realizing that I didn't know how to have healthy relationships. At the time, I started, I started learning about boundaries. I started, I, I basically would say to my therapist, I'm just a bad picker. I don't know how to pick healthy relationships. And the reason I didn't know how is because I hadn't been modeled safe people. I didn't know what a healthy relationship looked like. I didn't have examples and I didn't have boundaries. I had a I had really little relational skills and a gaping hole of relational needs because of my experience. And the truth is, is that I barely knew myself. I think a lot of people in their 20s don't know themselves, but because of my experiences, I didn't have clear mirrors to help me see myself, to gain reference for what that means to have healthy mirrors. I recently spoke with Dr. Hillary McBride in episode 77 about this because we actually learn who we are and what our desires are, what our preferences are through relationship. And so I didn't have a a really good grasp on my identity, which would help me understand what kind of people would I would want to be in connection with based on my values and based on my needs. So it was around this time that I found my first trauma therapist who gratefully gave me free and sliding scale prices as long as I was willing to drive the three hours there and three hours back to his office. So thank you, Jim Lee, for that. And then I hired my first coach thereafter, who also gave me a really generous price, uh, given that I was still waitressing and working multiple jobs to make ends meet at the time. So I was able to find some people who really saw that I was eager to heal and eager to thrive. And they supported me and they met me where I was at, which is I'm so grateful for that because I really did not have money to be paying for a therapist or paying for a coach at that time because I was I was literally just making ends meet. So the trauma of having been in a cult, being distanced from my biological family and being betrayed by my community left me gosh, in such a disorganized, isolated and lonely place. And this dichotomy showed up where I didn't trust people, but I needed them. I didn't feel safe in groups, but I'm an extrovert. I didn't have the support of a community, but I had a soul level need to give and to serve. Like I love people. I love serving. And the church had previously provided all of that for me. And whenever I questioned, all of that was stripped away. My identity was wrapped up in it, my community, the way that I loved and served and gave and connected to the earth and connected to my higher power, all of it was just gone, right? And it felt like I was in a catch-22. I had been leading small groups and sacred circles and teaching at church and mentoring women one-on-one for years. And I had just started my coaching business, but none of these dynamics felt safe to me anymore. And so I had to learn to get these relational needs that I had slowly and in different ways and over time because I didn't actually have the capacity to, and I was afraid to go meet all these needs in new places. It felt too triggering to me. And looking back, I'm super proud of how I honored my relational capacity. I didn't have the capacity to be fully seen and fully known and supported and held. Even though that was my deepest desire, I was terrified of that. And my body did not want me to do that. Even though 
some part of me wanted that and knew that over time I would be able to cultivate it. So even if I had thrown myself into situations where there was deep intimacy, it would have triggered me so bad that I would have gone into shutdown and isolated. And I did experience that a lot. So it took slowly titrating my way into safe connection. I'm going to share a couple ways that I, I did this over time to get my need for shared ex- expansive embodied experiences like I used to experience in a worship service. I began to go to group fitness classes because it was uh, not overly spiritual. It didn't have those same triggers, but there was a shared embodied experience, which was really needed. I began to get my need for learning in community met like small weekly groups and sermons that I used to experience in church. I started hosting and going to small events and on non-spiritual topics. So one million cups, for example, kind of like Toastmasters. I don't know if that's still a thing, but I started going to these entrepreneur groups and I actually started a podcast, a previous podcast and a local gathering group called the bravery board with a couple of different people. And we would meet monthly for these inspirational talks. And it was meeting that need of learning in community and being with people and being of service without the triggers associated with it to get my need for like-minded people to see and celebrate and share my art with, I started posting my work online. Um, I had never really thought I was going to be an on, a person who shared my work online. I did not have those ambitions whenever I was in college or even shortly after, but because I had lost this ability to feel safe in my in-person communities, posting my work online helped me develop a creative community where I could be of service and share and fully express without the trigger of being too close. So although online can have such negative impacts, it had such a positive impact for me in my healing. And I started to create friends there and people who were like-minded and people who were celebrating me when my in-person community couldn't. And that was invaluable for my healing and also for my business turns out. And so that was actually like kind of a second thought. (laughs) This, the business growing actually came after I was already sharing a lot of myself online. So to get my need for intergenerational mentorship, that was something that I loved about the church and I didn't have in my family because I wasn't so close to my elders and my personal family. And because I didn't have it in church anymore, I started hiring coaches who were ahead of me in skill or life or in my field. Some of them were a lot older, but not all of them were. What I wanted wasn't necessarily a bunch of people who were a lot older than me, although that is something I look for in my spiritual teachers. Now I have people who range in age. I just wanted people who had different experiences than me, different perspectives who could help me grow because that was something I experienced in the church as people who had different life experiences who could mentor me and were ahead of me and could teach me about business and could teach me about money. And I didn't have that anymore. So I sought it out in coaches and I hired people who could help me learn in specified fields and mentor me. So some of them, again, were a lot older. Some of them just had way different life experience and a skill that could really help me grow. And finding that in coaching, again, was so supportive and life-saving for me. And to get my need met for learning to relate in healthier, non-codependent ways, I found, again, that therapist who was able to work with me on a sliding scale. And then podcast became really popular and again, coaching and therapy, and it became more mainstream. 
in the, in the years that followed my first therapist. And so it was like, I was able to combine that sliding scale therapist with my business that was growing. And I was able to cultivate more resources as I was continuing to learn. And then I was adding in the free tools and podcasts and books that I'm so grateful are just like at the touch of our fingertips at this point, literally at the touch of my right thumb. So truth be told, intimacy with a small group of friends came years later years later. It actually wasn't until three years ago, uh, where my business was in a really robust place. I had a booming online community. I was in a thriving, I was thriving in my fitness and I had proof that I was able to maintain long-term healthy relationships and let go of people whose behaviors were toxic for me that I started to looking to get my spiritual needs met in person again. So if, if we do like the timeline, it was years, like five years of cultivating safety in ways that felt less personal and cultivating a sense of security in myself, security in my business, proving to myself that I was able to, I was good at relationships. The relationships I have now, a lot of them were people that I met waitressing in in my early twenties and people that I've known through building my business since the beginning of being a coach. And so I really proved to myself like, wow, I'm able to maintain these healthy relationships. Maybe I'm good at relationships. Maybe I'm a good friend. Maybe I'm a good partner. And it was around that time that I went to a two-day in-person yoga retreat with the specific intention to be more intentional in my in-person community and to find my people here. I wanted a moon circle, you know, I wanted my, the people I could circle up with monthly and share my heart with that weren't online. Although that was so supportive, I wanted to take the skills I had learned online and bring them to my community. Then in the retreat, this was, uh, 2019, The retreat happened to be led by two women who are now my best friends and my partner. So going to that event and then asking for everyone's phone numbers and putting myself out there and following up with people on social media, I I paid to go to these events, right? I didn't expect to just show up and for them to cultivate belonging on my behalf. I showed up consistently over time. I paid for their services. I valued them, not necessarily strategically. I just knew I wanted to be there. And so I was willing to pay to go to these yoga classes and pay to go to the retreat and show up in ways that felt like genuinely relating. And those people are the people that now form my monthly moon circle in person, which has shifted and grown, of course, but it has that first experiences of having an intention to show up. Like that's what built my relationships today. And to be honest, it took a good 18 months to finally actually feel security and safety within that group of people to, to feel like those were my relationships. So although some of us may want to rush this process of relationship, I actually see building a web of support in a slow progression, a sign of health, especially for those of us who learned to relate by hijacking connection through oversharing or um, in inauthentic vulnerability to secure connection. Like I had, I didn't hijack these connections through old tactics like that oversharing or love bombing or anxiously communicating. I didn't exclude myself from connection, which had also been a pattern of mine by declining invites or failing to follow through on my own commitments. I didn't rush back into contexts that were familiar to the ones that harmed me. I allowed myself to be supported in ways that my nervous system could actually handle. And from there, I built 
outward in concentric circles. If you came to the Rise Higher Root Deeper ceremony, you've heard about these concentric circles. I'll share more about them in the next podcast episode. Really, I showed up over time slowly over time, honoring myself slowly over time and didn't rush the process because I, I did it. What I didn't do is I didn't say I should be doing it better. I should be doing it like this. It should look like this. Health looks like this. Health looks like honoring our honest capacity slowly over time until our capacity grows. I put in the relational work to build trust, showed up consistently. I asked for my needs to be met to my capacity, and then I showed up to receive and give with reciprocity, which is a huge improvement in the way that I related in in my family system growing up. This was not a two-year fast-tracked way that I like hacked my way to support. This was an eight-year journey. And longer than that, if you just consider all the things that I had to unlearn. So if the topic of being supported feels activating, if seeing someone online being really well supported pings up a longing inside of you, or it triggers jealousy or dissatisfaction or the tenderness that comes from longing for something that you're not currently experiencing, please know that this was an eight year journey where I was actively working on this. And one that I not only fought for, but made an absolute priority because it was that important to me. So this exact eight-year journey and what I did to cultivate my own web of support from building personal safety and coming home to myself, healing from fragmentation, to healing my nervous system and connection to my body, to clarifying, clarifying the kinds of people I want in my inner circle, to navigating when to hire support in my life and in my healing and in my business. I'm going to be sharing all of that in the next two episodes. So this was just part one, just to give you some context to what my journey was like weaving this web of support. And in part two, I'm going to share more about those foundations of doing it yourself. And in part three, again, I will be sharing how to identify where it is you need support, where to start building and bolstering on that support for yourself. So I hope that this was supportive in some way. And I thank you for listening to my story. It means so much that you would take the time to hear what I have to say about this. It's been such a journey and I'm certain that the journey will just continue. I wanted to let you know before I go that uh, Serve It Up, my business program, not necessarily about support in the same way I'm talking today about um feeling a sense of not belonging, but if you're wanting to be supported in your business right now, I just want to let you know that the waitlist is open for my business program, which launches in April. It's a 90 day intensive journey. It's a mastermind, limited, limited number of seats. And you basically get everything that I know and do inside my business to build a stable, secure, streamlined, systematized business that still is very much centered on heart and soul and service, which is why it's called Serve It Up. So if you want those foundational tools and also the mindset coaching, the capacity building and the strategic creative mind behind how I do my work in the world and how I've grown my business, I'm going to be sharing all of that inside Serve It Up. We start April 26th. So if you want to get on the wait list for that, go to madisonmorrigan.com backslash serve dash it dash up. Um, and if you, I'll link it in the show notes. If you're on social media, just tap the link in my bio, go to my website. It's 
easy to find. Get yourself on the wait list and let's have a conversation about it. If you're curious, I would love to support you. If you're a business owner to serve up your magic in the most delicious, authentic, clear, and profitable, that's important, profitable way. Because whenever you're profitable, you can, you're, you are supported and you're resourced to give and serve even better. So look forward to sharing the next two episodes of weaving a web of support with you. And if you are curious about the business program, I'm very thrilled to chat with you. So I'm going to sign off, go see a movie and enjoy the rest of my Saturday. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode with me. And of course, if you enjoyed this, please take a minute to leave a five-star review. It means so much to me. I love words of affirmation. Let me know what you liked. Let me know how this is supporting you in text with a five-star review. And I will talk to you next week. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Everything Belongs. I am so grateful knowing the amount of input and content there is available that you take the time to listen to this show and so value your attention and the fact that you choose to keep tuning in. If you're curious about today's guest, you can go to madisonmorgan.com backslash podcast to get all of the show notes and all the links to their website. If you are receiving heaps of value from this podcast and want to continue to support the team that makes it possible or just simply say thank you, consider contributing to our gratitude offering. It is a small way to say thank you and give back to the podcast by creating reciprocity. We have four different ways for you to contribute from $7 a month to $37 a month, or even a one-time thank you contribution. You can choose your level of support from $7 monthly, $17 monthly, $37 monthly, or a one-time contribution. And for those who choose to give on a monthly basis, what you'll get in return is an eight-minute hypnotic induction, which is basically a fancy meditation to support you in anchoring in gratitude as your baseline state. It uses nervous system regulating breath, bilateral stimulation that helps you reprogram old stories, binaural beats for calming your mind, gentle hypnotic suggestions, and absolutely zero cheesy count your blessings type lists. Plus, whenever you choose to support on a monthly basis, you get access to my close friends on Instagram. This bonus gift is my way of saying thank you so much for supporting the podcast, where you will join my Instagram close friends and will basically be able to hear my personal rants, photos, daily happenings, and the hilarious memes that I share with my closest friends. This content is created just for fun. It's not marketing material. It's nothing that I create specifically for my business. It is just for fun, and I would love to have you in that inner circle. Basically, I would love to share my weird with you as a way to say thank you for supporting the podcast. Plus, of course, you will receive insider's access to all the discounts I offer, first dibs on new opportunities to work together, and that generous feeling of abundance and reciprocity for contributing to something that you get a lot from. If you're curious about joining the gratitude offering, you can go to madisonmorgan.com backslash gratitude dash offering. And if you're looking for a free way to say thank you and to contribute your energy to the show, please leave a five-star review. That is the simplest and easiest way to send your generosity and to send your thanks and it really helps boost our ratings and itunes and reach more people who might enjoy it in the meantime i would love for you to join me on instagram dm me and let me know your favorite part of this episode and until next time remember that curiosity can be a portal to a life where everything belongs